is Hard Parking, sponsored by Right Honda and Right Toyota out of Scottsdale, Arizona. Of course, I am your host, Jay Finning. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you. I have a treat for you on today's show, Mr. Randy Marchetti. For many of you, you're just learning about this guy for the first time. For some of you, it's a special treat. Randy Marchetti started a company called RM Racing. By the time I bought my first NSX, RM was long gone and he had moved on to other projects. So for me to be able to connect with him was kind of almost like a, I wouldn't say a childhood dream, but a a solid blast from the past because I had some of his parts on my car and it was just kind of one of those things of legend. It's like, wow, that's a, that's an RM racing intake. And so getting to actually unite with this guy uh, last year at NS Expo and, you know, he's local, which is crazy here in Phoenix. And at the end of the conversation, we'll get into some of the stuff, extra stuff that he's been doing, which is pretty freaking cool too, musically. All that and more coming up after this word from Four Wheel Online. Jay Finning here, and I want to tell you guys about Four Wheel Online. For over a decade, Four Wheel Online has been bringing the best truck accessories and truck parts to enhance the appearance and performance of all trucks and SUVs. They are dedicated to providing an extensive range of upgrades that will match any maker model on the road. Their truck products cover everything you need to give your truck a custom look and added functionality. And if you need a tire and wheel package, head over and use the configuration tool. They carry all the major brands of wheels and tires, so we'll get outfitted today. So visit them online at 4 Online or call them at 813-769-2451. Again, that's 4Wheel Online, the number 4 Wheel Online. He is Randy Marchetti. I always knew him as, well, actually, I didn't always know him, but his RM was famous to the NSX line. And this last NS Expo... I saw his name come across when we were trying to find vendors and display vehicles. And I go, wait, that's, I think another, like Ferrisot, who, who sponsors the podcast, said, yeah, this guy needs Randy. And he had an NSX and RM stuff. I have no idea. And he's kind of newer, uh, Ferrisot, to the NSX game. I go, wait a minute. I think that's RM Racing. Dude, that guy, we got we to gotta get him on. We got we to gotta find out who he is. We got to get him on here. So fast forward, here you are. Welcome to uh, Hard Parking. Thanks so much. It's great to be here, and it's great to uh, reach out and see all these new NSX owners. Obviously, it's been many, many years, and uh, even at that little event you were talking about, it was kind of cool to see some of the old school guys still still there. I mean, you know, half a dozen of them or so, but obviously a lot of new generation owners. Yeah, and, and you know, it was kind of cool because, like you said, new generation. So back when I heard of RM racing. And I know that's where de- it's decades ago at this point, it's been vapor, but, um, all we saw was on online NSX prime and people would upload videos in the, in the two color car, you know, which was really cool. I think I saw a video of an RM racing, uh, NSX kind of spinning out on, on a cruise or something, but it was just, we didn't have access to things like we have access now. So it was, it was like almost like this next level fantasy type of deal. It's like, Oh, one day, you know, when I can afford this car, I'm going to get arm racing this and an arm racing that and do everything that they're doing, you know, and then, you know, fast forward, um, I actually had an arm racing, uh, intake on my NSX. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you think how long ago that was, it was such an infancy where there was no, I mean, <clears throat> there was internet, but today you can chase down every clip and nut and bolt and part, but it just wasn't that way. Yeah. And there were so few parts being made. And there was myself, which started in 1991, I mean, in my house, uh, when I bought my first NSX, and there was ComTech. That was it. Yep, that was just, there yep, wasn't yep. anybody else. 
the next person that came into play was DC Sports, which I don't know if you've heard of them. But oh, yeah. DC, so DC Sport built a great, really great quality header and exhaust. And and that's it. There there wasn't anything else. I mean, everybody came years and years later. So it was pretty different time, different, you know, time to be able to market. You know, you couldn't do much as far as Internet. Everything was done through actually an NFX newsletter that used to go out. But, um, yeah, times have definitely changed, and today's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, for me... You know, when I hear DC sports, I automatically go to like the Civics and the Integras because that's where I was at at the yeah. time. Um, yeah. Again, just all all NSX stuff, which is so next level, and it's just the thing that people who didn't have one dreamt about one day owning. Um, but what have you been doing since? Because I know that um, you know at NSX Expo you showed your beautiful you know restored car, and you're working on another car. But you know what was life? Like how long have you been doing something else? Like who who is Randy? Mm, well, it's a long <laughs> doing something else. I mean, as far as I mean, the NSX, like I said, RM Racing started in '91. I bought my first red NSX. Didn't know anything about it. Started tearing it apart. Started kind of designing parts for it um, out of my house, which turned into a the business it yeah. did. And then I bought the '92 white NSX, which is the one I had at NSX well. The red NSX I sold off, which is funny because on NSX Prime on Facebook, the dude who owns my original red NSX saw me in a post and says, hey, I've got your old car. So my 91 is still in the group. It's out there somewhere. It's in California. Um, I started with that 92 white one. That really launched the business where we grew and started really making parts seriously. And... You know, I'm kind of going to jump pretty quick, but in nine in 2004 is when we sold the company, and that that was kind of my end of it. In 2000, we switched to the Ferrari Challenge series, so mm, the NSX sure. kind of the NSX kind of went away. I mean, it had been 10 years of messing with it. Now, by this point, there's many other companies building parts, and to be honest, companies just knocking off the parts that we designed and blowing them out on the internet. So we just stopped dealing with the NSX and moved on to that Ferrari challenge. And then I ended up selling the company in 2004. The car you mentioned at Expo is my original 92. I sold it with the company and it had three owners, but all three owners were friends of mine, people I knew very well. And I knew where the car was sitting for all these years. The girl who owned it, didn't drive it for 12 years. It sat and oh, wow. a really good friend of mine, Hugh Hernandez. Um, he helped me, you know, he's the one that actually went over and purchased the car from her, got helped by getting me involved into it, into the build. And then the two of us took on this momentous build that ended up to be, you know, a quarter of a million dollars invested into that right. old car in a year and a half of time, but it really came out to be a beautiful car. And it's just, a. it was neat to restore that car into a modern version of it, you know, still had some throwback arm racing parts on it, but bring it into kind of a today's build. So I was really glad everybody got to see it at Expo and it's a car that obviously will never be sold. And it's just, it was, you know, going to be just kept in the, the treasure, you know? 
So it cost about a quarter of a mil to bring that thing back to its beautiful. Because you didn't just bring it back to like stock. You you did everything to make it look like the like it just came off of a factory. It was like an OEM plus build. Yeah. Have you seen the Have you seen the River NSX that Helix Auto Works pulled yeah, out and they're restoring? Yeah. They're going to be in for yeah. it then, huh? Sounds like it. Oh yeah, I mean it's. I mean the car was a nice car to start. It was just old, you know, it's thirty yeah. years old. But when I had it back then, it was a neat. It was, you know, it was kind of an, it was an iconic car going to all the early NSXOs, going to all the track events, doing all the, you know, local track events. That's what that car was. It was my mm-hmm. flagship for the company. But, yeah, when we started building it and knowing that it was going to replace, and literally, when I say every, I mean every single rubber molding on the car, every plastic fastener, I had no idea what it was going to be to get all that stuff. And, you know, thanks to Honda, you know, still making parts, you know, I, I took us a year to get everything, but right. with them still producing most everything, um, Nita was actually a really big help too. They did a great job helping us source a lot of stuff and American Honda. Uh, I actually still know, my contact at America Honda is still there. That's amazing, so actually. He, he, yeah, he helped in the beginning, and then um, parts that they would get stuck with, I'd reach out to Mita, and he, you know, he grabbed everything for us. So it was an adventure, and it's, I'm doing it again. I'm building this '92 red one right now, and just going right back to the same thing. Not quite as. It's not going to be like the white one. We're not spending a quarter million dollars on it, but I'm restoring it to be a perfectly new car. So again, having to replace all the rubber and all the clips and what 30 years of age does to plastic and sure. rubber. When you hear yeah. that, um, and I don't know, because you're kind of, well, I guess you're kind of kind of back into it, but you had to have taken a couple decades off. I mean, even, you know, I sold my car a year and a half ago and I don't even keep up with it. And, and I find myself mm-hmm. not even really keeping up with 91 to 05 NSX stuff, period which I didn't, I wouldn't guess that I would ever would have been like that. So I would imagine, but I'm still in the new one, but for you to be so detached, you know, what's, what was it like kind of coming back into the fold? Because the culture, yeah. everything around us, not just the car, but just the world is so different. Yeah, it's true. And I mean, detached, I mean, yeah, I definitely detached. I sold the company. I mean, I still have my Ferrari from the company. I still do, every single piece of work on that car from every speck of maintenance all through all the custom stuff. So I still tinker and I've, and I've built half a dozen cars in this time period too. Mercedes, SRTs, um, a Jaguar. I build cars for fun and still do it as a hobby. But yes, the NSX comes back in your life and it was, I mean, it was, a flashback. One thing, a lot of people are still there that were there 30 years ago. So when I got in my old book and started reaching out to these manufacturers I used to deal with, they're still there. So there's people still out there that I knew, or there was new people that knew of me, which was good. Or I just dealt with brand new people. Honestly, the forums were a great place too. That's where I met a lot of people at, which when I hit, just jumped on Facebook or whatever and jumped back into NSX Prime, which I haven't looked at for 
you know, 20 some years, 25 years, everybody's there. So what I did see is how much modification was happening with the cars over all these years. Cause obviously they hit a low, yeah, they hit a low (laughs) dollar point, you know, years and years ago. And, People, you know, couldn't afford them when they were expensive or buying them and fixing them up. They kind of turned into a, I don't know, what what were they, 20 grand? or? I think in 2008, 2009, point? I remember looking them up. Still couldn't afford one. You know, I had, a, I had a job, not a career. But I remember seeing them, you know, 22, 3. And I was like, God, God, if I could yeah. just figure out a way to to get this vehicle, I would live out of it. Yeah, I noticed they... I remember them hitting their rock bottom, even though I wasn't into it. I mean, I still kind of had a little pulse going about stuff yeah. out there. And and I had thought about buying my white one back earlier, too, because I knew who had it. And I, I literally was going to buy it back, had the check written to her, and I was going to restore it. And I said, screw it. And I bought a 550SL and built that because I never built a Mercedes. And obviously timing just wasn't meant to be at that time she still had the car and we still ended up with it but yeah i remember they just really tanked and people were doing a ton of work to them and there was a ton of product out there for them and is actually is dally still around i think they're gone i think dally's been been out of the game for a while as well i think they may have been in when i got my car in 12 2012 because there was dally parts everywhere but again, there was yeah. also RM racing stuff out there too. And you've yeah, been. Yeah, he came. That was Mark Johnson. I remember him. He, when I sold the company, was when he was coming into it. And he, same thing. He started out of his house and was trying to make parts you know, less expensive for people or whatever. But I, I, I remember seeing him in those cheaper, the days where the cars were getting cheaper. Mm hmm. But I, I didn't think he was still around, but every once in a while I see his name pop up or Dally pop up. But anyways, yeah, total different adventure, uh, you know, whole different program, whole lot more parts available for the cars now. And even though there are a ton of parts available for it, it still seems kind of like some of them are hard to get. Like I see a lot of stuff out there, but a lot of it's out of stock or unavailable. So I'm not really sure what's happening with these other manufacturers out there. I don't have a real good pulse on that. I feel like maybe five to eight years ago, it was like the golden age and you can get just about anything, anything secondary, you know, third market or just someone had recreated or you can get new. And even, even in that time, you know, even, you know, when I sold my car, it was obviously to get the new car, but at the same time I'm looking around, I'm like, God, stuff is getting harder, harder to get, you know, um, these more regulations are coming out. Shops are closing down because of 2020, and I'm I'm curious to see what you know what's going to happen with the future of the of the car. Um, what are your thoughts on the new car? Well, I just don't have a lot of experience with it. I mean, I really, honestly, never even when it came out, I was so out of it at that point, and I was personally, I had the Ferrari had either one of my other builds at that time, which I can't remember which one it was. Might might have been the Mercedes or the SRT. Another build. And I remember it coming out. I remember the hype on it. Talking to a friend about if he was going to get one. And it kind of just fell away. I I never dug into it. And then I got these the older ones back. I still haven't dug into the new one. Yeah. So I just don't... I'm, I'm not educated on it. I don't know much about it. I've 
personally been around one outside of NS Expo. I personally have walked around, sat in, and got to see one in person. That's it. As far as I've gone. Yeah, they're just different. So, you know, they're polarizing. Yeah, I, people, I mean, yeah, people love them. Early. It is polarizing. That's, that's, yeah, good. Yeah, they are. It's such a different world of car. I mean, you don't look at it and go, that's a big brother of this car. I mean, they're just so disconnected visually to me, at least. I mean, you know, you know better than anybody. I mean, you've had experience with both of them. So, I mean, they stopped, was it a year or two? When was the last production? 22. That? Yeah. 22? 17 they to 22. Yeah. What was it, the S they did, right? Yep. Yep. The Type yeah. S. So you guys, I mean, there's still a good market for those, right? There is. As far it's as different. Value. It, yeah. Well, yeah. The, yeah. Um, there's not much you can do to them. I mean, as you know, with a lot of modern cars, they just mm-hmm. become more and more locked down. I think that's where people kind of romanticize over the past a little bit because there was so much more room to work and you know less restrictions, and you could do things without blowing up the ECU. And that makes me wonder, listening to you, because yeah, you got you know you started you know RM way back, way back decades ago, and you were there in the beginning, and so you remember this part. So Acura just had the Integra come out, and everyone was like, oh, it's not a real Integra, blah, blah, blah. This isn't a real NSX, blah, blah, blah. But a lot of the people talking are in their 20s and their 30s. And so, you know, they were in grade school, if even not even born, you know, back when the first cars were going through those things. Mm-hmm. And one of the observations, based on research, because I was in high school when the first car came out, is, you know, I don't remember the NSX being, I mean, people loved it. But I feel like it may have gotten looked at kind of sideways just as much as the new car when the new car came out. And eventually, people started appreciating it more until, I guess, Honda and Acura stopped improving the vehicle. Sales tanked and the vehicle went away. But what do you remember of those early days and the hype around the car? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I literally remember the day I saw the first 91. I was working for a company called Arizona Speed Marine, and I, we did General Motors fuel injection. So that's what... My history, my upbringing in automotive, I've never touched a carburetor in my life. I didn't know anything except fuel injection, and that's what I was taught on. So anyways, I remember a customer pulling up in his 91, and what I do remember about the hype is the style, the look. I mean, it was... which, Which today is still cool. They just did this really cool styling job with this car, the next thing I kind of remember as it's happening is it wasn't very fast. Didn't have a lot of horsepower. <clears throat> I started digging into the racing versions of them and what people were doing out there. And Comtech was really kind of more advanced than that than we were by far. But starting to see what you could do to them to, to make them fun, you know, even just the short gears and getting a little more power in them. That's where my perception of it kind of started to change that they weren't the fastest cars. They were super great looking, but they were really fun to drive with just a couple little things done to them. Right. And, and as you said, I think they just kind of, they kind of timed out. They built it for so long and didn't really do a lot. Right. You know, yeah, hardly anything in a two change, but yeah, it just was out there forever. And, just kind of faded away 
I mean, I saw it in my business. I saw it as I was advancing onto other cars and other platforms. It just kind of faded away. Because their but price didn't really go anywhere, you know. Price didn't go anywhere, and that's why I was asking about like your the light generation cars. Do you feel? And I, I mean, it looks like they are. Do you feel a good? It's a good investment. I mean, because there's not a lot of cars that are good investments. But it seems like with the new one being discontinued already, that it could be a strong investment car. Yeah, I, I think it is for sure. Just because a couple a couple things like the original cards limited even more so, but there's also a lot more, you know, competition out there. Um, but just like the original car that you had, it introduced, you know, a lot of technology and, and new things, you know, at a fraction of the price. I think um, people say only the 918 was was using the same technology. And now, obviously, with the E-Ray and some of the other cars coming out, they're using the exact same type of hybrid. Um, and some of the the steering and the, the electrification that the NSX did. And I think, um, you know, it's definitely going to be appreciated more. It's starting to be appreciated more, but for sure. And especially with the type S, I mean, this car was already worth mm-hmm. more when I picked it up than, than what I paid for it. So I think it's, right. I think it's in a good spot. I remember seeing all that because I was getting hit up by all the accurate people I knew when the, you know, they were trying to do those, you know, reservations for the S. So yeah, seems to me it's a good investment. You look, you look at the NSX, did we ever think of it as being an investment? No. Mm-mm. I mean, I never did from 91, 92. I never ever thought that. Then it tanked and then I forgot all about it. But now, I mean, right. for sure looking at, like I this red one, you mentioned I'm building another one. I've posted a couple pictures up of me doing some work. But anyways, this red one I'm building, it is 100% an investment car. I mean, to find one with low miles nowadays that hasn't been butchered, this was kind of like a barn find. You know, it was from an estate sale. Nice. I, luckily, again, Hugh bought the whole selection of cars in this estate sale. He kept a 92 Lamborghini Diablo that we fixed up. and I ended up with this the, the 92 NSX, 37,000-mile NSX. Wow. And so... Now I'm looking at it as a whole, whole different ballgame. Now I'm looking at it as an investment, and I'm literally just going to sit on it. You know, there's, it's a great car to have. I don't know how many are left out there like this, low miles and not completely butchered. I, I saw, wasn't there one that just sold for like 138 grand on Bring a Trailer? I think so. The market yeah, is so but, weird on the cars, you know. Yeah, and then I see them in 60, 70. Yep. I just I can't figure it out. But I would have to assume a low mile, original or near original, in perfect shape, has to have value. Yeah, and it's people that are, you know, they're selling, they've been sitting on it, it belonged to the nephew or the son or the dad or the wife. And, you know, we had talked about the, how the prices went down. I got mine in 2012 for 42 for the NA2, which is pretty good. Prices are started going up again, and I think everybody got them like I did. But now you can't get them again because they're just so expensive. And so I think that's that's also kind of affecting the market on on these things. Um, did you? So I decided to have some fun and looked up on NSX Prime RM Racing. And there's a, there's a post here. This is back from 2008. 
is RM still around? Da, 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 da. And as I scroll down, I talk about, uh, so it seems like by then you've been out. Do you do some Corvette stuff or are they misquoting that? <clears throat> no. So, so when the NSX started kind of dying off and RM racing grew, um, so RM racing started with the NSX is the only thing we did mm-hmm. period. There was myself, I, I had an NSX, two NSX techs, actual accurate trained techs that came with me and my wife and uh, one other employee. So it was a small company. It was just the NSX. When the NSX started dying off, the next thing that came into my plate is I had this opportunity to design an intake for the C2, or no, the C4 Corvette. Was it C4 or C5? C5, according to... I can't keep track, whatever. (laughs) C5 Corvette. So I was actually contracted by General Motors, designed Mm. an intake. It was a General Motors intake. You could walk into the GM parts department and buy it. So for for RM Racing, the small company, it was a huge deal. And it kind of changed the direction of the company, which I now is making C5 parts and getting write-ups in Motor Trend and this and that and the other. So we built some C5 parts. The C5 parts led us into the next step, which was the 360 was released in 2000. I bought a 360 in 2000, tore it apart and started designing all the parts for the 360 and the challenge cars. So that's where we got into the Ferrari stuff. And then right at that, four years after that's when I sold the company in 2004. So, yeah, so whatever you dug up there, 2008, that's years after I, four years after I was no longer there, I sold it. The company ran for a while still, but they, they got rid of the NSX stuff first because it was the slowest moving. And they Man, got can't make of, any money off it. No, the NSX, the Ferrari went away. Um, I designed an air intake during that time that we manufactured and hold on just a and that was called uh, air raid. I'm not sure if you're familiar with air raid and then air raid was bought by a company called K and N. So, so yeah, I had, my hands were in a few different things and the NSX was just kind of in the background at that time. Billy boat. You know what that is from what I read? Yeah. Billy boat. Yeah. Yeah. So he is who, so B&B Performance Exhaust, which built tons of exhaust, that's who we contracted to build our DTM exhaust. It okay. The RM Racing exhaust it was only available from RM Racing, of course, until I sold the company and sure. relinquished our exclusivity, but he was the manufacturer of it. He's here in Glendale. You know, we're in Scottsdale, so I was able to go over there. I did all the R&D on my personal car, the car that was used for it, and that was where our DTM exhaust came from, which I still see a few of them out there popping up on the forums every once in a while, like on people's cars. But it was a, for its day, I mean, there was DC Sports, there was Comtech, right? there was mine, and then there was some JDM stuff, you know, some Japanese stuff right. that was out there, HK, HKS. Um, can't really think of who else had an exhaust. I'm sure there was one or two more, but... Anyways, yeah, yeah, that's who Billy Boat is. Are they? St- I don't think they're still around anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, this is this is a, a response back in 2008. <laughs> so what yeah. I'm going to do is when we get done, I'm going to bloop be the next response on here and say, "Hey guys, you're going to hear yeah. about some of this stuff coming up pretty soon." 
That'll be kind of fun. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Talk about uh, what are you doing now? You know, your 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 more. How do you say Vapa Vapa Mora? Vapa More. Vapa More. Yeah, so the car thing, you know, obviously I got out of it long, long, long ago. I mean, still, but again, still right. building my own projects, doing everything for myself, helping friends out. My friend Hugh is somebody, I've, he's a car nut, has some great cars and helped him build some cars I would have never worked on in my life. And so that's all been in the background over the years. And then a friend of mine was importing these steamers, these steam machines that are used in residential commercial cleaning and also for like automotive detail. He was importing them from Italy and he knew I had designed parts and just make this a quick story, long, long story short kind of deal. He came to me asking me for help. I designed a machine produced 300 of them. Lo and behold, 15 years later, we have eight models and we're the largest steamer manufacturer in the U.S. right now. So it's just just a silly thing that turned into a a business. And our machines are yellow. And if you look at our first, they're all based off my Ferrari, my original Ferrari 360. That's uh, the same color yellow, same style. I kind of styled it after that. So that's what we do. We, we manufacture these steamers. They're super heavy in the automotive industry, really heavy in automotive detailing, but also in mechanical. Like there's shops near us. There's, um, I don't know if you know a company named Auto, which is here in Scottsdale. They do the storage. Uh, it's a storage facility for high-end and exotics, but they use our machines for detailing, but they also oh, use them for... OTTO, Auto. Yeah, OTTO, yeah, yep, Auto, yep, yeah. Yep. They're literally, their service center for their Porsche club cars, their race cars, is the building next to me. And so they use our machines for cleaning parts, for, you know, sanitizing, you know, components, you know, before they're assembled or whatever. So these are machines that are used in all kinds of industries, but also in the car industry. And And a machine I used on that white NSX and the NSX I'm doing right now, I use it all over the car for detailing and for cleaning and, you know basically removing anything you can with steam high you know 300 degree steam with pressure so it sounds like so you're doing all right that was a that was a good <laughs> that was a good uh good friend said hey man you want to help me out sure yeah well it's everything happens for a reason i was yeah. kind of one of those one of those things so, and that's where the car my car background came back into play and it's funny because inside the machines are fittings from Goodridge, which Goodridge makes the brake lines we used to sell. I called Goodridge, you know, I mean, so it's weird. Crazy. It's not just that one part, but there's two or three components in the machine that are totally from the car industry that I knew 30 years ago. Um, TechFlex, which is a hose covering. I don't know if you know who they are. They're in our machine. So yeah, it all comes full circle a little bit here. Randy, where can we find that? I'm, I'm sitting here trying to type it in, and I was just going off of the – how do, how do yeah, we spell go, that? Well, the, it's pronounced Vapamore, which is the love of steam in Italian. And so if you say it in English, like how the word looks, it's Vapamore. So V-A-P-A-M-O-R-E. So Vapamore. I was, all, I was close, man. Yeah, Vapamore is how. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Little yellow things. I've seen those. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. All, again, all started 
literally started the first one was shaped after my Ferrari, the three sixty. It's long gone, long been replaced by other units, but that's how my first one was designed. Well that's pretty cool. Um Randy, thank you for spending time kind of giving us a little history of RM. I think this is gonna be uh really fun for those who um remember you back in the day or have heard your name around and um, man, you never know what happens. Sometimes things do happen for a reason. I mean, now you're like, you're the, you guys are the steamer people, you know, that's, that's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah. That and still helping a lot of NSX guys. I mean, these forums have opened me up to communication with a lot of people and still love to help. And I've got an addict full of parts, although I've sold through a lot of them, you know, but still anybody ever wants to reach out and maybe there's a little widget somebody needs or. Whatever the case is, still happy to help, and especially in Arizona. I mean, on the NA1, NA2 stuff, I mean, I love to still play with it and tinker with it. You know, I'm here. So you're on, you since you go to NSX Prime on Facebook, which means you're on Facebook, is that the best way people can, can reach you? They have questions? Yeah, I'm, that's the forum I'm, I've dug into. I know there's an Arizona NSX. Arizona NSX owners, a smaller forum, but yeah, NSX Prime seems to be the kind of the biggest one, obviously, unless unless you know something well, or anything. The better. NSX owners group um, is a little better, I think. In Prime is kind yeah, of, I'm on there too. Yeah, that's that's a pretty yeah. good one. And then uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm on both of those, um, and you and you're right. I I don't know a, a lot about the forums because I'm relatively new back on them, but. Yeah, anyone can hit me up on either of those would be great. And again, a lot of people have, and I've already helped other people with NSX stuff and fixing something, solving something, finding a part. Again, I sold through a ton of leftover parts because remember that white car? Mm -hmm. I took every part off of it and kept everything that was in decent shape. So I had tons of parts because I literally replaced everything. Everything, yeah. So... I had a lot of extra parts and even on the red one I'm building right now, I've got, I've been listing some parts and I've got a stack of parts from that. So yeah. Anyways, I'm, I'm always open to talk, help, see if there's something out there. You never know unless you ask, you know, Randy, before we go, tell me about Echo Vault. Tell us about Echo Vault. Yeah, that goes back many, many years. So right prior to starting RM racing and when, before I bought my first 91 NSX, I had literally just finished, playing i'm a drummer i was in a kind of a large rock band it was a band called surgical steel and you know moderate fame and i just finished playing and just that's literally what led me into buying my first car and kind of getting into cars and you know the arm racing ran the business ran i dropped playing and all that stuff and about five years ago one of the old bandmates reached out to me and you know we started you know, goofing around a little bit playing and then it turned into another band. So kind of rebirth back into the music scene maybe five years ago and we play out, we do like four or five shows a year, so pretty limited. But um, yeah, it was kind of great to get back into it and just another hobby and another thing to keep me busy, really. So we do have a show coming up and yeah. Do you guys just travel around just as our immediate region or just area or do you go to like Vegas or no prior you know back in the early days yeah we traveled all over the country but this band's local so I mean we're all doing it for 
the fun of doing it, um, we're really precise. We're very dedicated and rehearsed. And so that's why we only do a few shows a year and we do bigger shows that they put on or we get hired out to play. But yeah, it's, it's all local. Um, you know, we play from anywhere from the casinos to some of the, you know, the venues throughout town, not really a bar band, but more of a show band. Right. Now, is it all, is it cover music all, or do you have guys yeah. have your own? Okay. Cause the show's here. Yeah. yeah. Coming up this weekend, uh, June 17th, seven o'clock at Wasted Green. I'm very familiar with that place. The best of Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains. So those are the songs you guys are hitting. Right. We had, basically we were hired by Wasted Green for a part of a series they're doing. It's a tribute, summer tribute series. And so we're doing Stone Temple Pilots set and we're doing an Alice in Chains set. And we picked these two bands because they're real iconic to our generation, but also they have these two iconic vocalists that are both gone, you know, died. And we have this incredible singer that's able to pull this off. So we chose those two challenges to do. And we do those two bands and we do them separately or we do them together and we do them electric and we also do them acoustic. They're unplugged style shows. So it's been a lot of fun. Again, just another, another hobby really. And, and it's been a lot of fun to mess with. I wish I could be there. I will be in Puerto Rico, but I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, okay, I know wasted grain. That's an easy end. And then, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm like most people around my age. It's like, I remember, Stone Temple Pilots and Allison Chains, because that's right around the time when I was getting ready to either graduate high school or just after I graduated. So I have some of those, but I have like the radio songs. So I have, have, I'm looking through my phone right now, I have Plush and Interstate Love Song (laughs) for Stone Temple Pilots. And then, uh, let's see, Allison Chains, Man in the Box, of course, that's like a, you have to have that. Exactly, and that's what this show is. It's going to be like all their all their radio hits, all their greatest that those those two sets we're doing. Well, it's too bad you'll miss it, but of course we you know we'll have another one coming up in a few months. Like I said, we do we play usually every two to two and a half months. So um, yeah, just keep an eye out and hopefully you know let me know when you can make it by one of the shows. Oh, absolutely. Now, does the does the the group itself Echo of Alt right? This is the group. Does it do they have their own mm-hmm. Facebook page or do they just find it through your page? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, there's Echo Vault on Facebook, so just Facebook, Echo Vault, and there's a page there, and, you know, we have Instagram and everything else also, but we really mainly do most of our promotion and most of our postings on the Facebook page of Echo Vault. And Echo Vault is basically named by, you know, echoing the alternative. You know, we chose mm. those alternative bands, and we're, we're, we're reproducing them today in the highest format possible and the most detail as possible. God, I hate I'm going to miss this, but I mean, you guys have been doing it for a few years, and uh, yeah, it's right up my alley, for sure. Well, we'll see you soon, I'm sure. Well, good deal, Randy. Thanks, Randy. I'll, I'll, yeah, I, need, I need to come check out the builds and, and stuff like that here soon, since we live in the same area. Yeah, yeah, anytime, and if there's ever any events or anything, just yell, let me know. I'll you know, get both the cars there, one of the cars, whatever the case is, but I'd love to still be involved. Will do, man. Have a good one. All right. Well, thank you. Um, I really appreciate the call and the time, and uh, look forward to seeing you on the show. It's been a while since I've hit you guys with any car news, so we're going to jump into some car news. This comes from the Associated Press. It's actually everywhere, but you may have seen recently that General Motors and Ford 
have decided to ditch their proprietary charging systems and just go with what Tesla has. And this is pretty big, obviously, in the EV world. But what does this really mean? According to this article, starting next year, owners of electric vehicles made by General Motors and Ford will be able to charge their EVs at many of Tesla's charging stations, the largest such network in the country. This, this isn't the article, this is me talking. This is kind of, and we've talked about this before, this is what you need. If we're going to move toward this whole EV ideal future, then you have to have standardization. And it sounds like this is standardization. One plug, multiple vehicles, multiple manufacturers. So back to the article, at present, there's two major types of EV charging plugs out there. Tesla's, of course, North American Standard Charging and something called CCS, which is used by nearly all other automakers. It is not clear which other automakers might join Ford and GM. So there's still other ones out there, but with Ford and GM being the two primary automakers in general in the United States outside of the EV market, this could be a really big thing. So it says, what's going to change? With 17,000 charging plugs, Tesla commands the largest network in the United States. Its stations can charge faster than most others, and they're often more reliable too and exist in safer locations closer to prime travel corridors. Are they free? And is that a dumb question? It's probably free, right? I don't know if you put your credit card in on some of the charging stations. Maybe they are all free. Makes me wonder, are there charging stations like at the end of the end of an alleyway, just random? Like you just put a pop-up anywhere? Anyway, sorry about that, guys. So it says, under the new agreement with GM and Ford, EVs from those companies will be able to, starting next year, charge at 12,000 Tesla supercharger plugs. Tesla is the top seller of EVs in the United States, of course. So we all know that. General Motors is actually number two and Ford is number three. I did not know that. And neither did you. Because of these three companies control so much of the EV market, analysts say that automakers are likely to sign up with Tesla to avoid being left at a competitive disadvantage. On the flip side, it says that there's a growing network of public stations equipped with the CCS, which is the other type of connectors, at nearly 54,000 locations with roughly 139,000 plugs. The Energy Department still says only 7,400 such stations are DC fast chargers, which can provide a significant charge in just minutes. I don't know how we're defining significant, but maybe get you from one charge station to the other. I don't have an EV. Some of you do. I do have a hybrid, and so I have notes about my NSX. So I go fishing with my friend Will a lot. And by going fishing, that really means going to Lawn John Silver's. Yes, we are part of that secret society that's keeping that place still open and in business. But one thing that I can do with my NSX, I got to Lawn John Silver's early, and I was waiting for Will to show up. Hot day outside, 104 degrees. What do you do? We all sit in our cars with our air conditioners on, motor running, burning gas, slowly in a modern vehicle. But you're still burning gas. But with the NSX, when you put it into EV mode, traditional motor shuts off. And now you just have the electric motor blowing cold air on your face. So the car sits there relatively silent. And then after 10 or 15 minutes, the little pump turns on and you hear it. It almost sounds like an air pump. Like the little air pumps that you pump up like inflatable toys and things like that for the pool. It's got that little small electronic noise. And it only goes for 15, 20 seconds and it shuts off again and it comes a cold air. That was pretty cool. Sorry for that digression. Is digression a word? I know digress is a word. So back to this thing about Tesla. It says, what do other automakers say about joining Tesla? It varies. Kia, Nissan, and Toyota declined to, con- to comment. Hyundai said it continues to evaluate its, techno- its technology, but has nothing to announce. Solantis 
said it's working on a response. I don't even know what Stellantis is. I'll be honest with you guys. Volkswagen says it's committed to the CCS standard. Electrify America, which was established with money from Volkswagen emissions cheating settlement. You guys remember that? Plans to double its number of chargers by 2026. It now has 840 stations and about 4,000 plugs. 4,000 plugs? I think it's... uh, What do you guys think? We need standardization. And I think some of these smaller ones, they're going to fizzle out. Or they're going to get eaten. And maybe that's what they want to do. Maybe they have to... They want to come up with some sort of technology to topple the giant. And that's not going to happen. But you know what that is? That is the car news. I want to thank Mr. Randy Marchetti for joining the show. If you guys enjoyed that, if you would, please go ahead and review this podcast. Subscribe to the podcast. Do whatever you have to do. Don't forget to head over to the YouTube page and subscribe to that as well under Hard Parking Media. You can also find it under Hard Parking at Hard Parking Podcast. Coming up next week, Noah Nelson. Find out how his trip to Burma changed his life. There's a war going on in Burma, and there's wars going on in other parts of the world that those of us in first, second world countries, we don't experience. And it changes who you are. It has to. It absolutely changed who Noah Nelson is. That's the first time he's been on this podcast in a couple of years. I think right Honda and right Toyota, fourwheelonline.com, and sell shop wireless services. Can't forget Patreon business supporter, Kui Automotive out of Winter Garden, Florida, Pell Construction out of County, Michigan, Big House, Small Home Design, Ashburn, Virginia, Traverse City, Michigan, Westgate Exotic, Cars and Rentals out of Glendale, Arizona, and Shaving Success with West Tinkersley out of Boise, Idaho. Head over to hardparkingpod.com, pick up some podcast merch, join the Patreon for as little as $3 a month. Patreon.com, Hard Parking Podcast. Access to bonus audio as well as show swag. Follow me on Instagram at jfinning. I'm not going to spell it for you. Why? My name's on the podcast. Enjoy the Hard Parking Violations Facebook page. Thank you, everyone who has joined Hard Parking Violations. If you really like what you've heard today, tell a friend. I can't grow that you're telling the world how great this show is. Let's do this. Let's grow this thing together. We'll talk to you all next week. Shut up! <laughs> now it's stripping time. Ain't nobody got time for that.